another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, after a quick piece of news, we'll be doing our NFC and East and NFC North divisional preview for fantasy in 2020. So we'll be talking about uh, general team fantasy info for each of the eight teams that we'll be discussing today. We'll discuss fantasy notables. And then we'll also discuss a big question from each team that has to do with fantasy. And this episode will be more about the team than the players, although we will be discussing the players as well. And so it's going to be very fun to talk about after a piece of news. And uh, Chris, I'm ready to podcast today. We were just earlier today setting up our new social medias, but we're about to record. Yeah. And um, now we're going to, and we're going to publish it after we record. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm excited to sort of get into these divisional previews. A lot of other podcasts have done this. So I guess we're jumping on the train a little bit late, but uh, we've had this idea for a while. So. Yeah, it's gonna be I'm, not, I'm not kidding when I say this was planned for like three or four months, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's not like we just made this up because we saw other podcasts doing it. Yeah, we actually made a full schedule, if that makes you feel good, made a full schedule for each podcast heading like all the way through the season. Mm-hmm. So we've got a huge like, and if anything changes, we'll of course let you know, but like we've got, uh, we've planned this out for a little while now and we're finally here. Um, so we'll, yeah. get, we'll get started now. By the way, uh, we set up our new social media. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, um, you can follow our podcast at SGF pod. That's where our updates will be. You can follow our uh, personal accounts or not our personal, but like our solo accounts or separate accounts. You can follow Chris at Chris underscore SGF. I'm at Calvin underscore SGF. That's where we'll be tweeting our fantasy opinions and stuff. Um, we already have one on Twitter right now about Darius Slayton, which I was very unhappy with. So I commented on Chris's tweet, but to see what it was about, you have to follow us on Twitter. So mm-hmm. we will get started, and um, we have a piece of news coming. So the Washington football team has released their running back, Darius Geis, after criminal charges. Um, we're not going to get into the criminal charges because that's not fantasy relevant. What we are going to get into is what this means for the Washington backfield. So, Chris, I think there's a pretty clear guy who emerges for me here. I was wondering your thoughts about this, but I think you agree with me on this point. Yeah, I actually uh, read a stat earlier today that said 33 of uh, – of and so I think that Adrian Peterson let's start out Adrian Peterson I think is the obvious guy that's probably going to benefit the most from this we've seen him step up year after year and obviously we know the Redskins like him because they've they've kept on re-signing him so I think that they have I think that he they trust that he can do something good and I know you really like Adrian Peterson Calvin but oh uh, yeah other guy I'm interested in is Antonio Gibson so he had a really small sample size in the games that he played, he had, I think it was 77 total carries. And 30, on 33 of those carries, he had broken tackles, which is mm-hmm. absolutely insane. So it's such a small sample size, but in that small sample size, he was absolutely incredible. So as far as we know, Gibson could be the best running back in this backfield. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Gibson, I guess he's more... For me, there's a couple reasons why I don't think he's going to be the best running back in the backfield. Number one, it's that he's also a wide receiver. He's played wide receiver in college. He even played quarterback at Memphis. The Redskins, or the Washington football team took him in the third round. And um, yeah, they, they, they're they really just... Uh, they are not really committed to using him, I don't think, as a workhorse in his rookie year. From what it's sounding like, the uh, 
Washington football team's plan has been to use him in like select packages mostly during his rookie year, mm-hmm. which seems to think that they think he's like, like you said, Chris, with that small sample size, maybe a bit raw, undeveloped. And yeah. Adrian Peterson is anything but raw and undeveloped. And the reason I think he's going to take over this backfield is because he proved he could run the ball well last year. Keep in mind that Darius Geist was still in for some of these games. Peterson had seven games with 14 or more carries. He had two games with 20 or more carries. He had, I think, five with like 15 or more. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was basically seven with 14 or more and two with 20 or more and he's it's not the hugest biggest workhorse numbers that we've ever seen of course but he's proven that he can be the main guy in that backfield I'm not going to be surprised if Bryce Love gets some touches but Bryce Love's a fourth round pick who has just spent 18 months off of football I'm ready for Peterson next year and keep in mind don't say he wasn't he was inefficient or anything because he had 4.3 yards per carry last year which is solid especially since he's becoming 35 I think he's got another year left in the tank he's my RB 29 and half PPR and on, I think I've seen him in almost every other ranking, like maybe t- even 20 spots lower sometimes or more. Yeah. Which is absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. for me. It's ridiculous. I, I think like, that right now, Adrian Peterson's consensus is way too low. People are forgetting what he does do when he is on the field. I mean, you say he's getting older, but year after year, he comes in and he just totally takes over that Redskins uh, football team backfield. And does super well. So I don't understand what people are thinking that is going to be different coming into next year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think maybe they're thinking he's getting older. But he is still durable. This yes, guy I know. battled mm-hmm. through multiple injuries over the past couple of years to continue just playing for this team on one-year contracts and not missing a single game. I think he missed maybe missed one game over two years. I'm not exactly sure the number. It was one, two, or maybe even zero. And so that's that shows how good he is, how durable he is. He's a huge value for me. One of the biggest values in this whole draft, I would think. He's 76 overall for me, RB29, like I said. Just a massive value. Even if you think he's 10 spots lower, you'll still get him higher. Like, at least from what I'm seeing in the rankings right now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up a little bit as the summer goes on, but there's no way he's going at RB29 in any league. But you guys who listen to the podcast and girls, I say guys, but I just mean it for guys and girls, of course. Um, But And women and men and everything. Um, Anyway, yeah, Peterson, we're really excited for him next year. And if you listen to the podcast, which you are right now, then um, then you know a little secret. So that's good. Yeah, so, I think I have I think I have Adrian Peterson at 36. So I'm kind of I'm not fully on that train because uh have we seen Adrian Peterson? Actually, we have, but I just <laughs> I feel like there's still a possibility because they have so much depth at running back that maybe someone like Peyton Barber and Bryce Love starts to chip in a little bit more than in past years where when it was really only Adrian Peterson. But uh I think that if it's just Adrian Peterson, he's definitely going to be 29 and probably even higher, but uh at the moment I think I have him at 36, which I think is pretty fair. I mean, I heard this stat though about Peyton Barber last year among qualified running backs, his yards per carry was the absolute worst or maybe even maybe yeah, like so- second worst. It was either worst or second worst. I think it was worst. I'm going to look up his yards per carry, but um uh, but like yeah, it was like worst among qualified running backs. So, he's just not very efficient at all. I don't think he's going to do much. JD McKissick, who the Redskins or the f- football team has as well, is more of the guy who catches passes. But see, I'm right. Th- th- I have the stat in front of me right now. 154 carries, 3.1 yards per carry. Absolute garbage. 
that mm-hmm. like he's he's yeah. not a talented player. I don't know why Ronald Jones wasn't playing more last year. Um, I mean, Ronald Mar- Jones did play a lot. I think it's mainly because towards the end of the season we start, started to see Ronald Jones come in a lot more. But uh, people forget that the year before last year, Ronald Jones really struggled. Like he was almost as bad as Peyton Barra. He had no yards per carry at all. It was it was really bad. But uh, in his second year, he did really well. But I think at the start, it was more of a split. So that kind of caused Peyton Barber to take. Well, Barber carries. had over 150 attempts. I mean, Jones last yeah. in the previous year had like 40, and he wasn't doing well, and he was inexperienced. I think Jones is a lot better now. And I've got him, eh, I want to say, around RB 28, 26, somewhere in that range. Um, so I'm pretty excited for Jones next year. Actually, I think he's more of a borderline RB2 slash flex for me. Um, mm-hmm. So you ready to move on, Chris? Yeah. All right, let's go to our NFC East preview. And we'll start with the Cowboys. And uh, like we said, we're going to start discussing general team fantasy info. But, I mean, for the general team fantasy info here for the Cowboys, this is a really high-powered offense for fantasy in general. Do you agree, Chris? Yeah, they're definitely one of the better teams across the league as far as fantasy. I mean, they have a lot of guys that could do really well, and then they have some guys that are known throughout the fantasy community as top guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like you've got that great offensive line, and not only that, a great running back running behind it. Mm-hmm. One of the most more, more talented quarterbacks in the league who's very underrated, except, I mean, last year I think people sort of started recognizing Dak Prescott, but he's still yeah. a bit underrated in my opinion. Um, wide re- at wide receiver, this is they're absolutely loaded. Amari Cooper, who can is just – Yes, he occasionally gets shut down, but when he's on, he is on. Michael Gallup is a very underrated receiver. There's no doubt about it. And C.D. Lamb is one of the most talented receivers and one of the most talented receiving classes ever. So that's got to mm-hmm. bode well um, for the team. So in general, just a very talented offense, but we'll get into the specific players. And we'll start with Dak Prescott. Um, my thoughts, I mean, I'll, my general thoughts on Dak Prescott, like I said, one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league. In this high-powered offense, he's going to have so many running backs to throw to. He's got Zeke to open up holes in the passing game. And not only that, Prescott ran for, I believe, over 250 rushing yards last year and three touchdowns. Yeah. So he's got that rushing ability. I have him. I had him as my number three quarterback before they drafted CeeDee Lamb. Now that CeeDee Lamb has gone to the Cowboys, um, I'm even more excited for Prescott next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think I have Prescott as my number four. I just like Russell Wilson a little tiny bit more, but it's really close. Dak Prescott is really talented, and he still has the ability to run the ball as well. I think that sometimes people forget about that. And you say, you look at the receiving core, and Dak Prescott, you think he's really only throwing quarterback, but he can also get some yards with his legs, and I think he might have had a couple of touchdowns last year uh, with his legs. There's definitely potential there. The offensive line is so good in Dallas, especially if uh, players like Zach Barton can continue to – can can be the the player that we know that they can be or that he can be and I think that in an offense like in an offense without Jason Garrett because I feel like Dak Prescott kind of Dak Jason Garrett's offense wasn't necessarily cut out for Dak Prescott or a high scoring fantasy quarterback yet Prescott still managed to score so many fantasy points now with a new coach I think that he could be even better yeah I mean Jason Garrett yeah I guess there's no doubt about it. Jason Garrett really limited that offense. He's mm-hmm. a good offensive coordinator, but like not really as a coach. It's going to mm-hmm. help now that Garrett's gone. I think Prescott yeah. may even do even better next year, which is on which I is mean, mind yeah, I think was wasn't he the number 2 quarterback? Yeah, and number 3 on a points per game basis last year. So, that's pretty yeah, solid. That's absolutely incredible. And so if he can keep that up, obviously he's going to be really good next year. And the only guys that he's behind for you Calvin is uh Lamar Jackson and Patrick Holmes, which I basically agree with and I have him 
right behind there. Maybe with Russell Wilson and him are practically tied. Maybe Russell Wilson has a slight edge, but pretty much those are the only two guys. And those guys are kind of uh, a few lengths ahead of everyone, you know, but yeah, I think that Dak I mean, if- Prescott is right there in the next tier, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. They're the two guys out of the kind of Watson, Murray, Prescott, Wilson tier that I really like. Yeah, same here. I mean, I just have them flip-flopped, but I agree. Jackson Mahomes are ahead of Prescott and Wilson by a little bit. Mahomes is just um, – I've been seeing him ahead of Jackson in rankings, which I think yeah. is a little bit bad because Lamar Jackson's rushing ability will just get him more fantasy points. He was one point be- about one point behind, like 1.7 or something, behind Mahomes' fantasy points record heading into Week 17, and then he just sat out the week, so he would have easily broken it. And that's Mahomes' 50-touchdown, 5,000-yard season. Season. So, But if Mahomes hadn't gotten hurt last year, I would say he'd most likely be, have been the number two QB ahead of Prescott. But, like, that supports my ranking, that Prescott is number three. So I think it works out. Math, math checks out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, we'll go to one of the more consistent guys. And I guess a top three pick this year, um, top five pick every single year undoubtedly, Ezekiel Elliott, who just puts up consistent fantasy points week after week. Maybe he's not the most high-scoring guy. Maybe he won't even finish as the number three running back, although I think he will. But if he doesn't, keep in mind that his consistency is so huge. Yes, you may say, well, what if I want to build a less consistent roster? That's a lot easier to do than building a more consistent roster. Yeah. Like, there's very few fantasy players you can count on. I would say Zeke used to get, like, 15, 16, 17 in standard week in and week out in standard scoring leagues. But in half-point PPR, half-point points per reception leagues, I mean, he gets more like 19 points per game and week in and week out. And then he's just scoring these scoring these fantasy points consistently for your team. And um, he's just a huge asset to have. And even if he doesn't finish as the number three RB, there's value in that consistency. Chris, I mean, we both have him as our number three RB and number three overall, I think. Yeah, I think that Ezekiel Elliott, like you said, Calvin, he's just too consistent. And I mean, again, quoting what you said, like, he might not finish as the RB3, as the third RB, but his consistency puts him at that third RB level. Because when it comes down to it, in your biggest matchup of the year, you don't want to have your best running back bust. I mean... That just can't happen. You want to know what you're getting. You want to know who you need to be starting because you know that you're getting this from this player. You don't want to be trying to guess week by week because then the one week that you can make a mistake, that could cost you your an entire season in the playoffs, you know? So you yeah, have to exactly. be really careful with an inconsistent guy. And you know Zeke isn't going to be that. He's going to be consistently getting a solid workload and getting in the red zone a good amount. Like none of his stats are overblown. I don't expect touchdown regression or any of that at all. I just think that Zeke is going to be super consistent and he's just going to put up great stats for another good year. Yeah. I mean, and I think he will finish his RB three. It's, it's like sort of with quarterbacks where Jackson and Mahomes are way ahead of Prescott. You just got Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley who are lengths ahead of Zeke, but Zeke is the number three guy pretty clearly for me. And um, yeah, for um, here's an interesting take on Zeke though. I heard about like, I finally learned what a best ball league is. Chris, have you heard of best ball before for fantasy? No, I have heard of it, but I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah, I finally found out what it was. So basically, for best ball, it's a type of fantasy league. You draft your players and stick with them the whole season. But what it does is the thing automatically sets your lineup after the game with the guys who scored the most points. So it's an interesting take. High upside guys like Will Fuller, maybe better values. However, Mm -hmm. Will Fuller injury risk can hurt your team. So you've got to weigh both of those in mind. But in that type of league, Maybe Zeke's not the best. He's still great, of course, but maybe mm-hmm. you're going with Derrick Henry over Zeke at number three overall yeah. mm-hmm. in a best ball league. 
Yeah, so, I agree. But yeah, it's just an interesting new take on things that adds to my expanded horizons. Obviously, there's redraft leagues, which are we cover. We there's dynasty leagues. There's a ton of good dynasty podcasts out there. Chris and I don't cover dynasty, but if you want to check it out, I mean, I've seen like dynasty happy hour, uh, other kinds of podcasts like that, like good dynasty podcasts that get a lot of downloads. And um, like, those are good if you're in a dynasty league, then there's best ball and there's auction and there's keeper, which are keeper and dynasty different. Uh, no, so, di- well, yes, Dynasty is basically where you keep an entire team every single year. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Keeper is where you only get to keep a select number of players, depending on how many your commission decides. Yeah, well, I think Dynasty, you can do, like, contracts up to, like, three years or maybe four years, mm-hmm. depending on your league. Yeah. And then it's like, you can keep your entire team, but you don't have to. And then mm-hmm. auction leagues. Chris and I did a couple of auction mock drafts. Those They're are really so fun. fun. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because it's like, you don't have to take these long layoffs. Like, if you spend your money smart, you get $200 fake money, of course. We don't use real money. I mean, no disrespect to people do, playing in money leagues, but uh, Chris and I play for free, of course. And uh, who would spend money in a mock draft anyway? But, like, the c- good thing about it is you get a chance to get a guy in every single pick. Like, every single pick, you have a mm-hmm. chance to grab a player. And then you can wind up, like, in one auction league, I had four guys. I had, like... Kenyon Drake, like Aaron Jones, yeah. mm-hmm. Julio, and Mike Evans, or something. And then, like, because I was still learning about auction leagues, and the rest of my roster was just so bad because I had basically mm-hmm. run out of money. So, like, you, you can get the four studs and then just run out. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Auction leagues are fun, and there's so many different formats. I mean, sometime maybe, like, as incoming years, we've got to, we've got to try and maybe get into like a, a dynasty league that would be really fun i think to do like a dynasty league off to the side a little bit yeah another thing that yeah we should have like our own dynasty league another thing that would be fun is if we get big we try a listener league with you all yeah like every mm-hmm. single league we pick 10 new people and we do 12 team half ppr redraft and then so if we get enough listeners reach out to us at second and goal fantasy at gmail.com if you want to have a listener league and if we get enough people reaching out then we'll start one yeah like, definitely legit mm-hmm. we'll start one <laughs> yeah and so you guys can kind of compete against us we can we'll stay out we'll update with you guys we can all have we can have little chats about how the league is going and i can we can basically you guys can realize like how good i am at fantasy football when i'm absolutely destroying destroying calvin and the rest of the league you know and it'll be really fun no but the problem is with the listener league they like our podcast and so there's gonna be like oh, alan yeah. robinson's gone come on like <laughs> i know they're, they're, all, they're, all gonna be, they're all gonna be mini like they're all going to be mini versions of us with their own little different opinions. So it's going to be kind of crazy. Yeah. Half is going to be me. No, actually all of them are going to be me and none of them are going to, no, just kidding. Half will be me. Half will be you. It's like, there goes Alan Robinson, a pick before I was going to take yeah. him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there goes, everyone's using triple RB strategy. <laughs> all the RBs are gone by round mm-hmm. two. Oh no. DJ Moore is gone in round one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, what else? I don't, I don't know. All our different takes. Adrian Peterson is actually not a value pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be fun. People would probably input their rank, uh, input our rankings into their thing. Yeah. To use as a basis. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, our rankings are exactly what we think. But we got really off topic. That's okay, though. It was fun. So we, we, do you want to talk about Tony Pollard, Chris? I mean, I like his talent. It's just he doesn't have a ton of value as a handcuff, as Ezekiel Elliott's backup running back. Like, yeah, I, I really don't – Tony Pollard isn't a guy I'm looking to draft. Zeke hasn't really shown to have much injury risk. There's no holdout or any, anything 
uh, excuse me, coming to the, coming this season. So I'm not worried about Tony Pollard doing anything, and I don't think he's going to do much in fantasy next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so either. I've got to have him in my top 60 because he's so talented, but, like, mm-hmm. he's not going to do a yeah. ton. Um, so don't really worry about Pollard. It's not, not a value, not a guy you need to target in your drafts. If you're using our rankings, you should pl- find plenty of values, and you there's no need for you to draft Tony Pollard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll go to wide receiver. And Amari Cooper is one of the more interesting players in fantasy. Uh, Chris, I want to hear your thoughts about him first, though. Yeah, so I think that he has the potential. It's a little bit worrying with three wide receivers because obviously they're all going to have to get a share of the passes. But he has shown year after year that he has the ability to be the number one guy. And that I think, I think he's pretty, it's pretty much certain that he's going to maintain that number one role in uh, Dallas. So I, think that, so I think that that's good. Dak Prescott loves to throw to him. And I feel like once CeeDee Lamb was drafted, Amari Cooper kind of fell off some people's radars, like as if he was totally gone or something. But, I mean, CeeDee Lamb kind of takes over the role of Randall Cobb, if you think about it. Like, Yeah, I mean, except I a better Randall I mean, he's Cobb. a bit of a more talented Randall Cobb. <laughs> but Amari Cooper was really good last year, so you can't just totally – throw him under the bus. I mean, I guess the, I guess the Texans think that Randall Cobb is going to be really good because uh, I read that they are, ca- that they are counting on Randall Cobb playing a big role in their offense. <laughs> oh, no. Well, who, who could trust Bill O'Brien, honestly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, I- so I think that he's going a little bit underrated just because, uh, just because of CD Lamb is kind of taking up the spotlight a bit in Dallas, but I think that Amari Cooper is due for another big year. Yeah, I mean, for me, Cooper's not a bad pick. It depends on where you look. Either he's being underrated or he's being overrated or he's exactly mm-hmm. right. Well, this is that, I guess that's the same for every fantasy player. So never mind. Um, except Adrian Peterson. He, everyone's underrating Adrian. Oh, almost yeah. everyone is underrating Adrian Peterson at this moment. Maybe it'll change. But I have Cooper at number 10, ahead of DJ Moore. And I'll tell you why. I mean, yes, Cooper had a t- couple games last year where he just dropped off the map. I don't think that's happening this year. This is going to be the year with Jason Garrett yeah. gone. This offense is going to get better. Mm-hmm. CD Lamb's going to take pressure off Cooper. They're not just going to be able to yeah. one-on-one him because defenses are recognizing how good Michael Gallup is too. C- Cooper will play better next year. And what he you was you have number 10 ahead of DJ yeah, Moore, same. but it's I close. A, I have Cooper at 10, but I actually have DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay. I have him one spot ahead of Allen Robinson. Yeah, I've got Galladay at 8, Robinson at 9, Cooper at 10, DJ Moore at 11, and then Cooper Cup at 12 rounds out my wide receiver one tier. So pretty solid, I would say, for wide receiver ones. Yeah, So definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Cooper is my number 10 guy. I guess I like him a little better than some people, but I'm confident in his ability to have his best season ever this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. We'll go to Michael Gallup. This guy. Now, this guy is going very undervalued. Um, I mean, I, I don't. Actually, I wouldn't I say he's. Say he I mean, I wouldn't say he's going. I wouldn't say he's going going very undervalued. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like he's just a guy that not many people are going to recognize. Like in various fantasy other fantasy expert rankings, I don't think he's going undervalued. I have him at number 29, which is about where most people have him. But for like other people, for like just regular people at fantasy, I feel like they don't really recognize his name, and then he sort of just falls and falls with not really deserving it. Like he's a wide receiver three for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have him at number 33, so a little lower. I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to hurt him because I think that there's the possible... The reason I have him at 33, I think I would have him kind of run where you have him, Calvin, but I dropped him a few spots because I think that there's a chance that CeeDee Lamb maybe takes over that number two receiver role, you know, as the season goes on because we don't know. It's tough to predict rookies, so people that could be majorly affected by a really good rookie like Gallup could be with a Lamb. Uh, I 
don't necessarily I'm not willing to take him especially like pretty high I just think that there's too much risk there but I do think that if Michael Gallup stays as a number two receiver he's very talented and he's gonna continue to put up some good fantasy points I mean I don't I think Gallup will stay as the number two receiver just because CD Lamb is a slot guy and uh well I mean I guess can he play well, the that, that doesn't really I guess he can well it, I mean no, no, CD Lamb is is mainly a slot guy but I, I, it doesn't to... really matter if he's a slot though because Pre- the slot guy could easily be the number one or, I mean number two receiver I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like just Gallup is – Gallup gets similar targets to Amari Cooper. Like, Dak Prescott throws to him about as much as he throws to Cooper. It's just Cooper's more of a big play guy, I feel like, um, mm-hmm. than Gallup. So that's why Gallup's 29 and Cooper's 10. But, like, Gallup isn't going to be bad next year. Don't worry if, like, you haven't heard of him. Like, he's going to be a wide receiver three. He's a fine wide receiver three if you have, like, maybe Robbins, Allen Robinson and Devontae Parker, and then you get – Michael Gallup, you're fine at wide receiver. I gotta say, I would say that's pretty. That's decent wide receivers in my book, um, especially since like, well, decent wide receivers for going RB heavy probably, but like going RB heavy is the way to go because running backs are the most important position in fantasy. Yeah. So yeah, let's. That's it for. Uh, so we we discussed Gallup too, and we discussed CD Lamb. Or no, we didn't really discuss CD Lamb. I guess we'll talk about CD Lamb and then move to tight end for Dallas. Um, I think CD Lamb is more, he definitely uh, will get some targets in the slot. It's just how much will be remain to be mm-hmm. seen because he's only a yeah. rookie and there's a lot of targets in that offense. Yeah, that's the main problem with Lamb. That's why I'm not necessarily trusting him and he's a guy that I'm looking for. I, I'm not really going liking Gallup or C.D. Lamb because I don't know how that's going to look, which one is two and which one is three. I'm going to guess Gallup and that's why I have him higher, but I'm not sure. So C.D. Lamb is, is interesting, but he's not a guy I really have on my radar too much. Yeah, I mean, I have him at number 41 in my rankings, uh, ahead of Jerry Judy, behind Justin Jefferson. I think he'll get enough targets to be somewhat productive, but he may more elevate the offense around him by taking off some double coverage from Cooper. So mm-hmm. he's guy definitely draftable, wide receiver 41, but not like a huge player. Like, he'll just be helpful more for Cooper and Gallup, yeah. mm-hmm. I would say. More for Cooper than for Gallup, but... And then Blake and then, Jarwin, I, I don't think we need to talk about him much. He's more of just a top 20 guy. He'll get like some a, a little bit of targets, but he's not a huge play. He's going to be very similar to what Jason Witten did last year, except just like, I mean, he's not really going to do much. He's just, he's not a very talented guy necessarily. He's never had a role in that offense. So I don't be, see anything really coming up because we didn't, we haven't seen a tight end in the Cowboys offense really like do really well ever before. Or I mean, not ever yeah. before, but recently. I mean, the funny thing is that Jason Wynn was actually tight end 12 last year, I know, but that's but because of the tight end injuries and stuff. Yeah, and that's just because the t- tight ends were so bad last year, too. Yeah, so he'll, he'll, he should be borderline top 20. So we'll go to the big question. And actually, I guess we sort of talked about it. So maybe why don't we talk about it briefly before we move on? It's how will the trio of receivers work as far as fantasy and, and NFL? Like, well, this is really badly written. How will the trio of receivers work as far as a fantasy and NFL impact? <laughs> who wrote that was that you chris probably <laughs> let's go all right just 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 clearing the air here that's okay it's our notes page we can write whatever we want but you get the idea how will the trio of receivers work in fantasy and in the nfl um i mean i see michael gallup getting some nice targets along with cooper he'll get a pretty close to the number that cooper gets but cooper will get more big plays and uh yeah. he will like catch some deep balls, catch some passes in tight windows and maybe have a, and Mm -hmm. 
Gallup will get some as a nice wide receiver too. And then CD will sneak in a few, but not as many as he'd like probably. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that for you, it's more about Amari and Gallup, like sort of being a, a one and two with Cooper ahead. For me, it's more Gallup and CeeDee Lamb being a closer two and three with Gallup being ahead. So I like Amari Cooper, like a bit, like definitely a good amount above Gallup and Lamb. So I think that this is a good thing for the Cowboys offense and from an NFL standpoint, but I don't know if having this many talented receivers is good for fantasy because I feel like some of the talent is a bit wasted. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that kind of thing can work out, but also sometimes it's just like mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb maybe just doesn't get enough targets to be that productive yeah. in fantasy, and um, that that's a very possible outcome too. So let's go move on to uh, Philly. And with uh, getting off topic, we've already used a lot of time, but that's okay. I think our divisional previews are more in-depth. People expect it to be longer, and mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to all of this in one day can listen to some of it one day some of it another don't be scared when the timestamp says one hour and 38 minutes like our fantasy draft preview did mm-hmm. like you can just listen why not just listen to some of it and then you've got basically like two podcasts for the week instead of one yeah it's, yeah like listen to our nfc east part one time then mm-hmm. listen to our nfc north another time we could have probably just split these up and but i guess since the season's coming up we got to fit these all in before the season so we'll just mm-hmm. make a bunch of longer ones um Anyway, we'll move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll start with some general info. This is an interesting offense for fantasy. For me, I feel like it's going to be approved a lot since these wide receivers are coming back. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, mm -hmm. and Jalen Rager also draft. Jalen Rager was drafted in the first round. Yeah, there are a lot of players in this Eagles offense that could have a fantasy impact. Not saying that they necessarily will, but there are definitely a lot that could. And so it's really, with the Eagles offense for fantasy, it's all about kind of figuring out how much targets this guy get is going to get, how many this guy is going to get, how many of this guy is, how many carries this person is going to get, you know, and yeah. then you can kind of shape your own rankings out of that Eagles offense and decide what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a, a lot of these. I, I'm looking at this list. I don't think there's any one player who is fantasy, like you can rest completely 100% assured that they will produce the way we're predicting. Like our way is the most, our prediction is the most likely one, but who knows? Maybe they won't. Anyway, um, and one of these guys is Carson Wentz. Because Carson Wentz has shown he had some injury risk. He was able to stay healthy last year, which is a good sign. And while he had an easy schedule at the end of last year, he still produced with, like, Greg Ward Jr. as his top wide receiver. So he was still putting some numbers up. And because of that rushing ability, I actually have him as QB9 next year. I think he's going pretty undervalued. And you can pair him like a, with a guy like Ryan Tannehill or Joe Burrow and do just fine at quarterback, honestly. So mm-hmm. I like Wentz next year, um, but he is a pretty unpredictable guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not really that into Wentz. I mean, if he's available and he's dropped a little bit, that I'd, I'd consider taking him. But for the most part, I'm a little bit concerned about the injury risk. And we haven't seen Carson Wentz's total like fantasy output for an entire regular season, I mean, really, right? Well, yeah, because last year didn't really count without the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So – like, we haven't really seen him with all his weapons, so I don't really know how it's going to turn out. And there are just some guys that I like a little bit more, I think, with a little bit more upside. I think Wentz actually might have the mo- a very high upside. Actually, yeah, no, I won't say that he has upside I, uh, with higher floors, which I like. I'm, yeah, I feel like Wentz For me, fin- like, when, I, when I'm drafting for fantasy, I like to have consistent players. You know, I like to have someone that I know I can trust. So that's why last year I had Alvin Kamara, who was very up and down, and that <laughs> really bothered me, you know? So – 
I'm staying away from someone like him. I'm staying away from Alvin Kamara because I know that he's so up and down because he does rely a little bit on touchdowns. I mean, guys that are really touchdown dependent kind of bother me. That's why someone like DJ Moore, who I like, because DJ Moore was able to get a ton of yards and he didn't even have that many touchdowns and he was able to put up great fantasy numbers. So I know that even if he's not putting up touchdowns, I'm getting some good points. And then he's getting a consistent amount of yards and then a touchdown is an added bonus, you know, which I like. Yeah, I think, well, what I'm saying about Wentz, though, I mean, he could finish his maybe QB7, and then yeah, you've got what you said, you don't you like consistent guys? Draft Ryan Tannehill as your backup. Boom, mm-hmm. you're yeah, fine. bang. Like, yeah. Ryan Tannehill, QB12, going as a solid backup. I also like him as a value. Chris likes him even more than I do. Yeah, so I Chris, love Ryan Tannehill. I'm taking Ryan Tannehill before I take Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, see, this is the thing, because Chris, Chris is, like, even higher on Ryan Tannehill, so he's... I get him into Carson Wentz by being like, just draft Ryan Tannehill with him and you'll be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can draft Carson as my backup. It's actually kind of funny. Calvin, Calvin says, draft Tannehill as your backup. For me, it's draft Tannehill as my starter and Wentz as my backup. Yes, of course. Br- okay, anyways, uh, at running back, the Eagles have Miles Sanders. What do you think of Miles Sanders, Calvin? Um, Miles Sanders, this is a really interesting case because I had Sanders, mm-hmm. I had him at about 15 at the start of the offseason. Then he goes down to 17. But I really been hearing some awesome things about Miles Sanders and how he's supposed to he's not apparently according to the Eagles he's not the his touches won't be limited how often does that happen with an RB who's not a workhorse I'm so excited to mm-hmm. see Miles Sanders possibly become a workhorse yeah. I have him in number 11 overall RB 10 and that I think that's not even ridiculous because that's where most people even have Miles Sanders like if he can become a workhorse guy um, yes, Boston Scott was taking touches from him last year. But, I mean, when he was on that stretch with, I guess, Jordan Howard out, I think he was on pace for something like 55 or 56 receptions or so, which isn't even that mm-hmm. bad. Like, or maybe uh, I'm just – that's sort of my estimate by looking at his game log. Probably he was definitely somewhere between 45 and like six, 45 and like 60 or something. I think it was like more like 55 or so. Like, that's a, not a bad reception total for running back. It's not like Derrick Henry where – He's worse and a lot worse in half PPR. Like, if anything, Sanders might be a little better in catching passes. Yes, Boston Scott's going to steal some receptions and it'll be annoying, but Sanders will get enough to where like he's worth it. Yeah, I, I'm not super high on Miles Sanders just because there are guys some I'd like a little bit more. I'm worried about Boston Scott chewing in, uh, chewing into his workload a little bit, and I'm just, I just. For some reason, just, like, watching Miles Sanders, I didn't love what I was seeing, like, a ton enough to make me draft him when I think that there are other guys that I just like a little bit more. So that's just kind of preference. Like, I just – I don't like his play style as much, and I'm a little bit worried about Boston Scott because we saw that Scott can be pretty talented, you know? And having talent – and talent, even if it hasn't been competition before, could serve as a problem for a, a running back. I just feel like he's more of a pass-catching guy, and I don't know if he's going to take – I'm almost 100% positive that Boston Scott is not taking over for Miles Sanders. Yeah, next yeah, that's year. not happening. Miles Sanders will be the number one guy. It's just – I don't – I'm – I just – there. it's just a case of I like other guys a little bit better for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that's fair. I'm, I'm not saying it's not fair to do that. I just like him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So um, – yeah. Yeah, if you want to see our rankings, by the way, you can go to sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. So you should go check those out. Um, so we discussed running backs. We'll go to wide receivers. They're, these are really interesting at wide receivers, and so is tight end too. I guess we can all yeah. discuss them as a bunch. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Jalen Rager. And I'll start at the bottom with Jalen Rager. 
who I guess Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson are sort of in the same tier. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Rager is going to have that many opportunities in his rookie year. Yeah. Yes, he was a first-round pick, but he had some dropping issues at TCU, so mm-hmm. we might see him be a bit inefficient too, and being inefficient with low targets is never a good sign. He's a guy you should draft at the very end of your drafts, I think. Yeah, uh, the thing with Jalen Rager is he, he kind of ra- reminds me of a now, like he's going to be sort of a Nelson Aguilar sort of in his rookie year, and we never really saw Nelson Aguilar come to anything. Aguilar struggle, struggled with drops. That kind of turned Carson Wentz away from him a few times. He was able to catch some deep passes and get a few touchdowns, but other than that, he didn't do much, and I think that Jalen Rager is going to serve that one role. I mean, he's not really a guy that you're looking to start unless down the road he starts to do something, and any rookie kind of ha- – in general, has some good upside. So that's why I like Jalen Rager. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, actually, I mean, not that I like Jalen Rager. That's why I, that's why I think that he definitely has the potential to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that was an awesome player comparison. Did you just make that up? Yeah, I did. That, that was spot on right there. And also a former Eagles wide receiver too. So that's mm-hmm. perfect. I know. Jalen Rager is wide receiver 57 for me. Um, So a guy who can go right at the end of your drafts. Although I actually have him a little higher in the overall, just because the top 60 wide receivers, like, if the Brandon Ayuk, who's number 60, I have it number 141. And uh, because wide receivers can be more valuable than those random running back handcuffs you find at the end of your drafts and those backup yeah. quarterbacks who are going to be eclipsed by streamers eventually, the guys you yeah. can pick up off the waiver wire. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess just Sean Jackson, for me, more of a deep threat. We don't really need to talk about him much. I have him as wide receiver 53, I think, and he will have a couple games where he just explodes, but he does have some injury risk. I think he still has not lost a step. He's still very fast. But he's such a boomer bust. Like, you can't rely mm-hmm. on him. Maybe in a best ball draft. He's yeah. Like, yeah, in a best ball draft. Yeah, definitely, because he just has that touchdown potential. On any given game, he has the potential to go for a 60-yard touchdown, you know. And that makes him a guy that could entice some. But I wouldn't say to draft him. You say, hey, I really want that guy that can put up that point. It's really hard to predict. And it's maybe only going to be two or three times over the entire year. Yeah, it's like impossible to predict. Sometimes it's not even matchup dependent. It's just if he catches a deep ball or not. Mm-hmm. And then, so the other guy, this is an interesting player. Alshon Jeffrey. He mm-hmm. has some injury risk. He struggled over the years. But, I mean, he. I think if he doesn't get hurt, he's the focal point of that receiving group. I have him at wide receiver 36. So a back-end, wide, borderline wide receiver 3 to wide receiver 4. And... But if he stays on the field the whole season, he could be a wide receiver too for me because he's just that good. Like he's supposed to be the center. I think he's supposed to be the centerpiece of that wide receiving crew. He's the best Mm -hmm. wide receiver there. We've he's shown that he can be produced near that territory. I mean, back with the bears, I think he didn't, he have that one season where he produced near that territory. Uh, Or at least he was ranked there and then he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, he's had some flashes of being a really talented receiver. He's getting I think he I think he might be pretty old at this point. Is he like in his thirties? I don't think he's that old. He's he's I think it's it's not that he's old. He's just sort of never he he didn't really hit a huge prime and he's sort of been on a decline since then, you know? Yeah, he's thirty. I feel like not that old, but Yeah, not that old, but he's never been like a super talented guy that I want to trust on a weekly basis. And then there's some injury risks, so that all it's kinda he's kind of does play like an old player because he does have injury risk and because he's been on the decline of it over the past few years, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I have him at 36 instead of as a mm-hmm. wide receiver, too. Yeah, so, I have him at 36 as well. I think he's a nice value. He's being he, – he, he won't go at wide receiver 36 in your draft. He'll go later, and you can get him. 
Nice. Yeah, I just updated my rankings the other day, and I actually bumped Josh and Jeffrey up. I guess I bumped them to the exact same spot that you did at 36. Let's go! 36 buddies with Alshon Jeffrey. He's one spot ahead of Darius Slayton. <laughs> and I found out, it, like, I mean, Darius Slayton just started moving up my rankings randomly, and I'm not really sure why. Maybe just because I was bumping some people down, but mm -hmm. it's not because I like Slayton more. I still would avoid Slayton, even though... Honestly, in my overall rankings, I think I have him ranked higher than a lot of people. It's just that I have, and during that middle wide receiver tier, I think I have a lot of wide receivers ranked high. Yeah. I mean, I just, I stand by my rankings. I don't like Darius Slayton next year. Mm -hmm. and that's okay. that. You can draft him after, you can draft him after Alshon Jeffrey's gone and everyone mm -hmm. ahead of him, including like John Brown. But yeah, no, let's go to tight end. Darius Slayton is enticing. Like, he's a guy. That if I am going to pick someone, that's why, so I have my three good wide receivers, right? And I feel like DJ Moore and Devontae Parker are going to be really consistent. Like, I know what I'm for getting sure. from them, right? Yeah. And then if I'm going for a wide receiver three that I like that has upside, but I still feel like has a floor that's high enough that I'm willing to take him, that's Darius Slayton. Because I feel like if he does kind of step in as that wide receiver one, he is so talented and Daniel Jones loves to throw to him so much. He was the 27th wide receiver after week three. And that was after he was a fifth round pick. Fifth round. Like, so he definitely has the potential, you know? Yeah, but then again, all those weapons were out. Evan Ingram missed time. Sterling I know, Shepherd but he was a fifth time. rounder. Fifth. Yeah, like I mean, well, I mean, what are, what are you trying to say with that? That he's... Saying that, that it's really hard for a guy that was drafted really late in the draft to all of a sudden just be the best player uh, to become like. Well, yeah, but that's because he's not supposed to be offense. as talented as the guy who was drafted. I know, drafted but he earlier. was talented. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so if he, he is talented, it shouldn't be any harder for him who's than someone who like a first round pick who's equally as talented. Okay, true. But <laughs> Let's go! I just beat Chris in an argument, and don't say there's a first time for everything because it happens all the time. There's a first time for everything. Okay, uh, at tight end, the Eagles have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and this is a really interesting tight end room. Uh, I, I like – or I don't love Zach Ertz. I kind of like Ertz if he stays as the number one guy. And that's where we go to Dallas Goddard, and I think that Dallas Goddard has the potential to take over the number one tight end. That's one of kind of my bold picks. And when I say a bold pick, I'm not saying like – it's not like – or it's not really a bold pick, but it's also like a – it's, it's one of those things that I'm, like, saying, watch out for it, you know? There's definitely a possibility that Dallas Goddard takes over as the number one tight end I, for Zach Ertz. And I just feel is, like pe people have Ertz ranked way too high because of that possibility. And Dallas Goddard just – he seemed like the more talented tight end last year, you know? Well, I, I don't I – don't, I just disagree. I think that they're about equally talented. And I think that best Goddard well, so gets that, exactly, is 50-50. He'll stay a little bit less than a 50-50 split. I have Ertz at number five. I agree he's going overvalued. I have him very close to my number six and number seven at around 60 overall. But I have Goddard at 15 just because all those wide receivers are coming back too. There will still be plenty of tight end targets. But Goddard's not going to take over Ertz's role. He'll get probably a little bit less than Ertz. But, yeah, if, if, if as a backup tight end, like especially if you have someone consistent like George Kittle or something, Dallas Goddard is a great pick. Yeah, I mean, tight end 15. If you can get him at tight end 15 or lower, that's a solid pick for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Even um, like, even tight end, like I have him at tight end 11 and I'm perfectly happy with that, especially if I have like, or even someone like Jared Cook, who's really consistent, but he doesn't really have that boom potential that you might be looking for in a tight end like that Dallas Goddard could have, you know? So I mean, Goddard is a good guy to draft. 
For I me, Jared Cook is yeah. the exactly the guy who has the boom potential, though, because his targets aren't Actually, really I, yeah, his Derek targets aren't really set in stone. He's very touchdown dependent, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing because he gets wait, targeted wait, wait, in the red Calvin, zone. Calvin. We should wait. We should wait on a. Oh um, yeah, we're gonna talk about him later. But I think. Oh wait, no, we're not. Wait, yes, Never we mind. are. No, wait. we're not doing the. We're doing the. Oh NFC wait, North. you confused me. Wait, hold on. <laughs> you wait. You thought the Saints were in the AFC NFC North? No, no, I thought we were doing NFC South for some reason. Oh okay, yeah, no, we're not. But I mean, anyway, Jared Cook. I mean, he's touchdown dependent, but it's not a bad thing as yeah, for him uh, as much. Yeah, because I feel like he gets targeted. Consistent touchdowns too, though. Like it's not like he's just getting a touchdown and he's getting lucky or something. Yeah, he gets red zone targets. Consistently getting red zone targets and touchdowns. You know. Yeah, it's like like he's he's a good touchdown dependent kind of guy. For a tight end, like or for someone that gets touchdowns, to really decide whether it's luck or actually good is looking at their red zone targets. And Jared Cook has a lot of red zone targets, so that makes me not. Makes me not worried about like the number of touchdowns that he had last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see a little bit of touchdown regression, but not a ton. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and not as much as people think. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I guess we already discussed how will the targets and carries be split. We're discussing these questions already. Yeah, kind of. I know it's kind of it's kind of like the obvious question. I feel like so we kind of just go over it. But uh, yeah. So well, it's left- we could do it briefly. Like this is a good recap. I think for me, Miles Sanders will get his touches. He'll be a workhorse next year. Mm-hmm. If Jeffrey's yeah. healthy, he'll be the main wide receiver. We'll see Jackson get some deep we'll targets. Him. Rager sneaks in a few. And then Ertz maybe gets 60% and, percent and Goddard gets 40%. Or maybe 65-35. Or no, 60-40 for the tight end position. Yeah, for me, it's going uh, to be Miles Sanders is getting, is getting pretty much all of the uh, rushing, rushing and the carries. Boston Scott is going to chip in in the passing game, actually. And maybe and so a, few, a few runs here and there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying... Scott and Sanders will kind of combine in the passing game. And, and then uh, Scott is going to get a few rushes here and there. Obviously, that always happens. And then uh, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be the number one uh, receiver there. Sean Jackson and Jalen Rager, they, they could both – they're 2A and 2B for me. I think that they could both be the number two receiver in uh, Philadelphia. It just depends if Jalen Rager is going to play like Nelson Aguilar or like a, when Deshaun Watson Jackson was more in his prime, you know, so – yeah, well, I mean, I think a better – I don't know if we can really compare. I think Jackson and Rager will just be with each other, and it's mm-hmm. not really like one is trying to beat out the other for the role because they're kind of yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, that's true. And then uh, and then Zacherts and Dallas Goddard. It's going to start out as more of like a, a 70-30 split for me. I think that that's kind of kind of want to be it, as it's, what it is going to start out as. And then as the season goes on and progresses, it could get all the way to from – 60 to 40 at the lowest, I think, and all the way to maybe 55, 45, or possibly even 50, 50, and maybe more. You know? I could see 50, 50, but I couldn't really see anything higher than that for Goddard. Like, I think 50, 50 I, is I, plausible, though. Yeah, okay. That's fair. So, we'll go to the Giants, and, I mean, their general info, their team is looking pretty nice for fantasy. Yeah, like, like for, for like, as a Giants fan, I, I, I know the Giants are going to struggle, but I feel like it's really their defenses that it's going to cause them to struggle. Like, yeah, I, I agree. If you look up and down their offense and how the players have performed, they've done pretty well. They drafted Andrew Thomas, which their offensive line has really been the only weak point. And with a better offensive line, they could be definitely an above-average offense next year. Yeah, I mean, they've got a nice emerging quarterback, Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs in the league. And then they've got Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and then at tight end, Evan Ingram for some nice pass catchers. It's like, it's, it's, not, it's not insane, but it's above average. I mean, there's three guys that you know you can trust to catch some passes. You know they can if all they do something. Hurt. And then you, yeah, if they don't get hurt. And then you have Evan Ingram, who, when healthy, is a really good tight end, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Shepard and Ingram are the guys I'm worried about for injury risk, mm-hmm. but the most, but they could stay healthy. I, I'm worried about Ingram more, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. than Shepard, but Shepard's had a couple concussions, so we'll see. Um, Yeah, so I guess Saquon Barkley, we don't really need to discuss. Deion Lewis, his backup, is not going to get any touches at all. I think he should go undrafted. Yeah, and- Deion Lewis is going undrafted. Maybe in, I mean, maybe in the passing game every once in a while, you know, when they have to take, but like I said, I mean, Basically, every RB2 comes in when that one running back makes, like, a long run or something. He just comes in for one play. And that's going to be the plays that Deion Lewis comes in for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think So, don't don't worry about Deion Lewis doing anything. It's yeah, Saquon, all Saquon Barkley there. Yeah, Saquon's the number two overall guy behind McCaffrey. Uh, Daniel Jones, for me, that's an interesting guy. Daniel Jones is a popular breakout pick this year. I mean, I guess I would say I share the enthusiasm. But, Chris, what mm-hmm. about you? Yeah, definitely share the – I share the enthusiasm more at – from a uh, more from an NFL perspective, because I feel like Saquon Barkley is going to get a lot of touchdowns and stuff, but I feel like Daniel Jones is going to be a very consistent guy. So if you're looking for a consistent guy that actually does have high upside, though, I feel like Daniel Jones doesn't have a actually has a pretty high floor for a second year guy, you know? Yeah, honestly, I mean, he's got all those weapons coming back all at the same time for the mm-hmm. first time. I have him as QB yeah. 15. I think that's where a lot of people have him. And that's yeah, where, and as I talk about him, I become more, more and more excited about him. For yeah, he's a high upside guy that we don't really talk about much on the show, honestly. Maybe it's just because, like, you hear it everywhere and we both agree, but, like, we don't really feel like talking about it. But, hey, Daniel yeah, Jones is not bad as a borderline top 15 guy at all. Not bad. Yeah, definitely not bad. I mean, he's a guy that if, you, if you're looking for a backup and you just want a solid backup with some upside and a pretty high floor, you know, you can throw him in if your starting quarterback gets injured. Go ahead and draft him. And if you – want to play the streaming role he's a great quarterback to have as your one quarterback and then you can be streaming other quarterbacks week by week and if you can't find a good one then you just throw in Daniel Jones you know so he can fit into a lot of different strategies because of kind of where he's ranked and his upside and his upside yeah here's an interesting quarterback combination Drew Brees not huge upside high floor then Daniel Jones uh he's actually I disagree that Drew Brees doesn't have high upside I think that he he had like multiple he's had multiple 40 point games i think that he has tons of upside if he can play really well in that just for me i think in his outdoor road games how he's played with pretty badly i mean i don't think he could get really any better with age so i think he could be number seven but i mean for me he's just high floor low ceiling but i mean he's a qb1 so he's got a decent ceiling and then daniel jones is the opposite he's got an okay floor Got a better ceiling. So maybe pair Drew Brees and Daniel Jones together in mm-hmm. your draft. If, if you're waiting on quarterback, it's not a bad pairing. Like, we're getting all these pairings here. Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, Drew Brees, Daniel Jones. And a lot of the times, those handcuffs for running backs at the very back of your draft aren't very appealing. So if you don't want an RB5, draft Joe Burrow to go with them in the last round. I have him as QB13. So then you got these this nice little trio over there, and it's nice. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we have some extra time, one episode or something, we should do it the – a fantasy duo preview. That would be kind of fun. Maybe like oh, yeah, one or two at each position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, at uh at wide receiver, the Giants have Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, and Sterling Shepard. And the so Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, I think they're probably the number one and one and number two, in my opinion. I think that Sterling yeah. Shepard is still the number one just because he's the most proven. But Darius Slayton could definitely sneak into that role. I think that he has the most potential out of any of the Giants receivers. And that's what makes me the most excited about him. So even if Sterling Shepard is the number one right now, I think that that could definitely change. And even if Slayton is the number two, I think that he could still finish higher than Shepard just because he's going to be catching more touchdowns and more deep balls. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility for me. I think but just Slayton, I'm not really – I don't think he'll get enough targets to be too relevant. Um, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, all kind of in the same boat. Slayton I have mm-hmm. highest, but, like, they're all in the same boat for me as in terms of, like, fighting for catches, and they'll get – they'll each get some. And then yeah, Evan and Ingram Tate. at tight end, I don't really like because I don't think he can stay healthy. If he does stay healthy, he's borderline top five. But yeah. when he doesn't, I think I have him at tight end seven. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say borderline top five when he's healthy. I think that he can he is top five when he's healthy. Well, I mean, I mean you got Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, and Waller, so maybe Yeah, I think that he f- easily fits into that five spot because there's no one else there that I really like. I think that he's definitely better than Earth when he's healthy. Yeah, I guess if he stays healthy the whole season, I would put him at number five. So yeah, I guess we both agree on that. So yeah, that sounds good. So our Giants, let's see our Giants a general question here. Uh, it's which wide receiver, if any, which wide receiver, if any, emerges in the offense. I think it's not really any of Slayton. them. They'll just all sort of be in the same boat. Slayton will be best. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think Shepard will be second best if he doesn't get hurt. Definitely. Well, I mean, Shepard might be better than Slayton if he doesn't get hurt, but the injury risk yeah. makes him second best. So I'm ranking the Giants receivers right now. Number one, Darius Slayton, just because of Shepard's injury risk. Number two, uh, it would be. Shepard, I suppose. Oh, no, I have Tate ahead of Shepard in my rankings. Um, I mean, I guess Golden Tate can play as a wide receiver, too. So, yeah, just because of the injury risk, it's going to be Tate at two, Shepard at three. But Shepard could be one if he stays on the field the whole year. Oh, I can't see Shepard going as a third receiver. I mean, he was just getting so many more targets than Golden Tate last year. Yeah, I mean, I, guess- I need to look that up. I need to look that up. Yeah, I mean, Golden- I, I agree with you, though, but the injury risk is so huge. That's why. I, but Golden Tate has struggled with injuries a little bit, too. Wait, really? Uh-uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he has not. He's gotten, um, let's see. Or maybe he has, but, like, not anything too huge. I mean, in, in like, he had, he had multiple games with, uh, he only had 49 receptions over the entire season last year. He had a concussion last year, and he missed four games, too. He's had a concussion, and then back then, he didn't really have an injury until back in 2012. He had a knee strain and then a hand fracture in 2012, and then in 2010. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of that concussion. I I I mean, that's obviously an injury, so he's dealt with injury before last year. but uh, I mean, I'd say he's pretty low risk. Shepard has had multiple concussions. I think Mm -hmm. one concussion is easier to come back from. Shepard had two last year. Like, yeah. last year alone, Jordan Reed had mm-hmm. five, and then the tight end for the Washington football team. I guess the 49ers signed him. Uh, I don't think yeah. he's really going to be relevant. He can't stay on the field. He just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't. There's no way. So talented, though, but, like, it's the, that ship Kittle, is still. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess we, we'll move on to the Washington football team. And their general info is this is really not a good offense for fantasy. We talked about Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson earlier. He can run the ball. But I think we – you want to just skip right ahead to our, the wide receivers? I mean, Dwayne Haskins is really – you have him as QB 24. I agree he's got some upside, but he doesn't have enough weapons for me to be drafted. Yeah, fantasy. it's just the upside. I mean, he is draftable if there are no other quarterbacks left and you have the last pick in the draft and you still need a backup quarterback. It's Dwayne Haskins because you can easily just stream another guy, but maybe he has a little bit of upside, you know. Yeah, I just have him going undrafted. If Alex Smith somehow plays, his comeback story is remarkable. Basically – if Alex Smith somehow plays, maybe, and he might, he might start. We don't know if he's going to start. If he does, maybe he's at the back of my draft, but he just doesn't have enough weapons, I don't think. And he's a little yeah. too conservative to put up huge numbers. Yeah, I actually uh, dropped Haskins out of my rankings, too, a little bit ago for Drew Locke. 
instead. I think oh. Drew Locke just has more upside. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's fair, I would say. So, we will go um, – so, let's just move right ahead to the wide receivers. And I think the one that's relevant for fantasy – the only one that's really relevant for fantasy – I mean, since we, talk, we talked about the running backs earlier with Antonio Gibson and Adrian Peterson, Terry McLaurin. And, Chris, we don't really talk about Terry McLaurin on the show. I like yeah. how this like, preview really uncovers new guys. I want to uh-huh. hear your thoughts on him. I feel like a lot of people have uh, been high on Terry McLaurin – or a little bit higher than I like. And I was really low on Terry McLaurin for a while, but then I just decided that he's going to be the only running back. I mean, uh, not running back, <laughs> wide, wide receiver in the Redskins offense. And he did put up some solid games last year, so there's definitely some potential. Dwayne Haskins liked to throw to him last year, so uh, that's a good sign. Mm. And I just think that maybe that'll continue and maybe he'll be able to put up some good points. I'm trying to remember where I have. I think, I'm, I, think I might have him low 20s or – I mean, uh, or not low 20s, high 20s. Yeah, 28. Oh, oh 20, 28? Yeah. Okay, I have him at 26, so I, I guess I'd say I agree with you. I mean, it's so weird with Terry McLaurin because Dwayne Haskins should have great chemistry with him. They played together at Ohio State, but he wasn't really getting that many. His numbers dropped significantly when Case Keenum got benched for Haskins. Yeah, that's so true. they so, got better at the end of the year. I feel like and that, I, it, I think that the thing is they should have good chemistry, and that's what's keeping him inside the top 20. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they got top, better at the end 20. of the year a little bit. And so that's enough for me to put McLaurin at 26 ahead of Juju or behind Juju Smith Schuster and, or maybe not ahead of Jarvis Landry. I'm actually going to bump him down to 27. Uh, yeah. As we talk about this, I mean, like you said, in covering a lot of guys, I decided no, I'm gonna I keep love him. Jarvis Landry. I think that he's going to be a target monster and Odo Beckham is going to be good. And, but the thing is Odo Beckham is going to be the guy that gets the double coverage, but Jarvis Landry is going to be the guy that gets all the receptions. Uh, I still like OBJ in that offense a little bit more just because he's more talented, but I really like both Browns wide receivers. I have Jarvis at 21 and OBJ at 16. Yeah, I've got Jarvis at 27. I still like him next year, though. I think he tends to go undervalued, and maybe I'm doing that, but I just think because Austin Hooper's over there, too. you got Kareem Hunt coming over. OBJ should get way more targets, plus the run-heavy offense that Kevin Stefanski should institute. I think that puts McLaurin just ahead of him for me. But Landry's Landry's my clear 27 ahead of Debo Samuel. I'm going to move... Jarvis Landry up really high. I, I for some reason I really <laughs> like Jarvis Landry. I'm putting he was Jarvis wide receiver Landry, twelve last year. It's very fair. I'm putting Jarvis Landry at number sixteen. Okay, it's fair. I'm not gonna get mad at you for that. Even yeah, though and I'm, then I'm, putting, I, I'm dropping him below Odell. Below? Are you mean above? No, but uh, yeah, above Odell. So Jarvis Landry at sixteen. Wow. Odell Beckham Jr. at seventeen. Interesting. That's a bold take. I like that bold take. I'm not gonna get mad about that. I guess there's really nobody else that's relevant in Washington. So let's just talk about how many Washington players should be drafted in fantasy. Oh, Chris, I think you said four, but when you dropped Haskins out of your rankings, I think that makes it three for you, right? Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me check. Let me check all the players on there. So I think it's going to be for me. For ha- so none for Haskins, one for Peterson, two for Gibson, and then Terry McLaurin. So yeah, three. Yeah, McLaurin or Peterson should go first in your drafts. Then McLaurin. Yeah. Well, because let me see where I have them in the overall. It's interesting. Actually, Peter Peterson and McLaurin can both kind of go around the same area. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go look where I have them I'm, in the I'm overall. Gonna Gibson should them, go like, third right out of all of them. He should be late in yeah, your draft. Gibson, like I I I uh, Gibson is actually a guy that I'm starting to come on to a little bit more. I shared that stat earlier. The 33 of 77 carries that he got had broken tackles, which shows how good he is. So he's very raw and undeveloped, and I uh, I agree. I like I 
I think that that's why the Redskins are putting him in special schemes, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's so raw and undeveloped. But I think that as the year goes on, he could improve and maybe he becomes a bit more of a polished player and he starts to take a bigger role in the offense. Yeah, I've got I've got McLaurin actually ahead of Peterson, it looks like. Um, I might end up moving up more of those running backs. I mean, I feel like those guys like Ronald Jones and AP, I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know if I want to move them ahead of wide receivers like McLaurin or not. I've got a huge part of, like, wide receivers right in my overall rankings from, like, 45 to 60. And it's really interesting. I can't really decide where I want these guys. Like, I mean, I guess there's a pretty big drop-off in terms of running backs. It's really interesting. So it's it's so hard to decide sometimes. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll I think uh, I'll just leave it as it is right now. So I've got McLaurin, then Peterson, then Gibson. So I guess we'll do. You want to do our best team for fantasy in each in the division? I think mine's the Cowboys pretty clearly, just because their offense is so high powered. And Chris, you've got the Cowboys too. Yeah, uh, I have the Cowboys, but it's really close with the New York Giants, the sneaky New York Giants. I'm telling, like I. I I know I'm a Giants fan, so obviously I'm biased, but I feel like the Giants, they have an, a pretty good offense that a lot of people don't really think about as a top offense. Or not top, but but a very solid offense. And then they have a few pieces on defense. They have they got uh, Blake Martinez, who's a tackle monster. They got they re-signed Marcus Golden. They have O'Shane Zimenez, who I talked about on our live show, which we do uh, every Saturday, which was uh, two days ago. So I talked about him, talked about how I like him, and uh, – I think that there's some – they got James Bradbury, who maybe he can help shore up the secondary. The Giants, if they have a good year, they can compete for a playoff spot, I think, in a, if they have a good season. Yeah, I mean, I think – I guess the Giants could eh, – I mean, I just think their defense is going to hold I them I think back. that it, it, for a good year for them would be to maybe compete for a playoff spot, but it, I think that they're not going to, but a good year would definitely have them maybe competing for a spot, you know, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess a good year – a good year on defense would have them. I just mm-hmm. doubt I'm doubting their defense right now. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'll just yeah, say. Yeah, that's the problem with me too. But uh they are changing like schemes, I think, though. So that maybe that can make a difference. Their scheme was awful last year. I think oh, it was yeah. maybe it was like kind of similar to the football teams, you know? Yeah, like the Washington just, football team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean awful. And I think they're both making the switch both teams. So maybe they'll both be better. Who knows? Yeah, Anyways. we'll see. So um yeah, we'll go to the NFC North. This has been a long episode, but who honestly cares? Like, it's almost an hour long, I think, by now. Uh, well, we'll start with the Bears. And so, I mean, I guess we'll jump right into their players. They don't really have any relevant tight ends, so we'll rule that out. And at quarterback, Chris, are you drafting Trubisky or Foles? I think with this, the lack of weapons in this offense, Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, like, especially since they're competing with each other for a starting job, I think both of them should go undrafted. Yeah, maybe if I if we haven't drafted before that QB competition is de- if that QB competition is decided before we draft, I think the winner will be sliding into my rankings right at the back end, maybe like top, uh, like just like in that twenty to twenty four range, you know, just depending on what I research into whoever like wins that competition. But uh, at the moment, with the competition up in the air, you don't know which one to pick. I can't put either of them in my rankings. Yeah, I mean, for me, too. Same for me, too. I think our fantasy draft is coming up in 13 days. So Mm -hmm. we'll be recording the podcast probably after the draft, and we can discuss our teams on there. That'll be very, very fun. Yeah, Um, maybe we – I was thinking maybe even, like, this isn't – don't write this down, any of you uh, avid listeners. But maybe we could do, like, a – if we're not all together, I mean, if we're not, like, all – because of COVID, obviously we can't all gather for a huge fantasy football draft party or anything, you know. 
Yeah, of course. Maybe we could, if we're all just at our own homes, you know, just drafting kind of quietly, maybe Calvin and I will join in for a little podcast and it could just do like, be like a live sort of. Or well, here's uh, a better draft, idea. Draft, like talk. Live What's show. Better idea? On Sportscaster. By the yeah, way. Yeah, so it could be on Sportscaster. I mean, we could, we could actually, you know what we could do? We could record it on Sportscaster. And since we got new computers with more RAM, Calvin and I did, but uh, we could maybe try and record it in a Zoom meeting as well and have that recording. And then we could post it on both ends, you know, since- I mean, who, who, who needs it to be posted on both ends? All you have to do is go to yeah. sportscaster.com slash talk. That's sportscaster.com slash talk. You know what we should do, Calvin? We should spread the, we should spread the love to the podcast and to the live show. We can do- the week, on the live show, we can do live coverage of our draft if we're like not doing something that involves us not being able to. And then we can do a, our, our fantasy draft recap on the podcast, maybe. Yeah, I think we, I think we should just – yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I might just want to enjoy the draft just for – like and not yeah, record too, anything. Maybe. But if mm-hmm. we might be recording something, we could – if you want to follow our live show, do it. Go, download the Sportscaster app or go to the link I told you about. We do streams – like it, Chris and I are both on streams at least three times a week. And mm-hmm. we do play-by-play, yeah. we do live sports talk about all sports. It's not fantasy, it's all sports. So it's yeah. a fantastic show, and you got to go check it out. So for running back, I think there's two running – well, there's two running backs that should be drafted in Chicago. Neither of them are all that exciting. For me, David Montgomery is more of a borderline RB2 because I don't really believe in his talent, but he will be getting carries. I think he's actually a bit outside of an RB2. And then Tariq Cohen is better in full PPR and half PPR than in – uh, regular leagues because he gets so many catches. And so I have him at 39 just because he'll probably sneak in there, borderline top 40, just by getting a ton of catches in half PPR. But he does not yeah. run the ball at all. So a lot of people for David, the thing with David Montgomery is a lot of people say draft for talent, right? And I'm not a, like, draft who's who's the most talented. Like, that's one of the things that a lot of people, they care a ton about. And I'm not huge on, like, totally just if they're not talented not taking them but when it comes to David Montgomery I mean he is absolutely awful his yards for carry <laughs> was absolutely atrocious and I just can't stand I can't just can't stand to draft him especially when there's a competition between Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery that I think Tariq Cohen could even end up winning I just oh there's it's like I mean it's gonna be like a really close split uh, Tariq Cohen is gonna get all of the passing yards so there's no advantage to half PPR for David Montgomery it only makes him worse there's just nothing I like here Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't think Tariq Cohen's going to take over because he's not really built for that power running role. Um, I'm trying to – 3.7 yards per carry for David Montgomery last ugh, year. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> I know. Absolutely awful. Yeah, he's just not that fast. I don't think he's that fast. I'll look up his 40 time too. But I don't really think he's that gap, that fast um, either. And, and I don't and even that's think why... the Bears have that bad of an – I'm not sure if the Bears even have that bad of an offensive line and he's just – 40-yard dash. He's just not that fast. Yeah, all, especially mm-hmm. for running back. Like Jonathan Taylor ran a four point four, and so, he's not that elusive either. You know. Yeah, not fast, not elusive. Three point seven yards per carry. Just get him at RB twenty six because he gets touches. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. All right. So how about wide receivers? There's no relevant tight ends, like we said, but the two wide receivers that are relevant are Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. And Allen Robinson, for me, he's wide receiver nine. He got hundred fifty four targets last year. Only caught 98 of them. But if Nick Foles wins the job, like I think he will. Nick Foles is a lot more accurate than Mitchell Trubisky. Robinson will catch more passes, and he should get more yards, more touchdowns. His touchdowns weren't that high last year. He's got the easiest schedule in the league. Or for The Bears have got the easiest wide receiver schedule in the league, according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, I think that might be according to strength of schedule last year. I'm not really sure. 
overall, just love Robinson next year. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard my spiel on him many times. And then Anthony Miller, also another guy who I have – oh, where do I even have him? 45. I think I, I think I have him at like 53 or 52 maybe. Yeah, he sneaks Some, some targets as a wide receiver. Somewhere, somewhere uh, like in that 50 to 60 ranges I think is an okay place to draft him. And maybe as a sleeper. I mean, he was going as a sleeper a lot last year because people thought he was talented. And we never really got to see that because what his talent might be because of the struggling quarterback play in well, Chicago. We so maybe flashes though. He, yeah, we I saw it in flashes and we saw talent. So that's a reason that maybe you say, hey, I want to take a late flyer on Anthony Miller because I think Nick Foles is going to win that quarterback competition. And I think that that'll make him a little bit better. Well, yeah, so I Foles think isn't that, that great, but he, he I'll go out here as Calvin and, and I'll say if Nick Foles wins the QB competition, I will move, I will move Allen Robinson up. If Mitchell mm-hmm. Trubisky does, he might be going down one spot maybe. Okay, well, I mean, I just I think I'm going to leave him, even if Trubisky wins the job, because Foles is going to take over at some point, and I'm pretty sure of that. Anthony Miller, I mean, I have him behind a consistent guy like Jamison Crowder, who gets a ton of targets in the slot, and ahead of a guy like Christian Kirk, who's going to sort of be a little bit written out of the Cardinals' offense with uh-huh. DeAndre Hopkins coming. So yeah, uh, I have I have I have Jameson Crowder one spot behind Anthony Miller. Our our uh, general our big question is how well will David Montgomery do in his second NFL year? And we basically talked about inefficient. He will finish yeah. at RB. He finished at RB twenty five last year. He'll finish at twenty six this year, and uh, he's just going to be very very inefficient and get a lot of touches. Well, so reason. when you say RB twenty five, I mean you have to take into consideration that there were some injuries, so that bumps like. Like, however many injuries there were, if those people didn't get injured, he would have been, like, a lot lower, you know? So when we rank these, these are rankings, like, with no injuries, kind of, you know? Well, yeah, that that's makes fair. Sense. But, I mean, I think he still might do a little bit better next year just because, I mean, he's got some more experience. And uh, maybe if Foles comes in, Trubisky doesn't take some of those carries from him, even though Trubisky didn't carry the ball a lot, even though he should have last year. Mm-hmm. I just think that Tariq Cohen is going to continue to carve out a bigger role, and especially switching to a half PPR league. I just don't trust him that much. Okay. Yeah, I, that's fair. So we'll go to the Detroit Lions, who um, have a b- lot of interesting players. So, Chris, you can start out. I guess we'll talk about their general info. This is a pretty good offense. I mean, Kenny Gall- wide receivers like Kenny Galladay have proven they can produce with or without Matthew Stafford. But if Stafford yeah. stays healthy, which I doubt, because back injuries rarely go away, like like just like a, in a snap, He's a good quarterback. You've got John, Carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift, who are going to be splitting carries in an ugly timeshare over there in Detroit. So, and Carry on Johnson didn't have enough carries anyway, even before they drafted DeAndre Swift, just because that's such a pass happy offense. Kenny Galladay will do well Mar- at wide receiver eight. Marvin Jones, very consistent guy, I feel like. Maybe a bit undervalued. I'm a wide receiver 34. And then TJ Hawkinson, I feel like has proven nothing to me in the NFL. And he hasn't proven he'll be able to sustain targets. So I've got him at around top 20, borderline top 20 or something like that. Maybe a little higher. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what is, what's, is that your analysis or do you have anything more? Uh, I guess we can just get into Matthew Stafford, right? You want to get into Matthew yeah. Stafford? Yeah, I guess Matthew Stafford. Yeah, for me, Stafford is just – it's his injury risk is just the big thing. I have him at QB 20, which is a lot lower than other people. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. If he doesn't get hurt, he's a huge breakout, but I'm just really worried about the injury risk. Yeah, I mean, if I would love to have Matthew Stafford on my team if he doesn't get injured, and that's why I have him a little bit higher than you, Calvin, but at the moment, I don't trust that he is going to uh, – that he's going to stay healthy. And so I can't, I don't want a guy that's injured or that I have to drop sitting on my, 
on my team. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll do, do you want to do our big question or do you, I guess we, Galladay is pretty clear where he sits, but we'll talk about, we will talk about Johnson and Swift in our big, big question. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess it is, I don't think we're really skimming over the lions though. Like this is a pretty straightforward team other than our question. It is who will play next better, better next season in fantasy. Carry on Johnson or DeAndre Swift. Chris, we'll start with you. It's got to be. Oh, never mind. I don't even. I was about to say it's got to be. And then I. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, that'll be in the blooper play page. It's got to be. I don't know. Yeah, in episode one hundred, make a highlight reel. Then it's just yeah. Like, I, where, where I quote unquote admitted that Darius Slayton would be a top thirty-five wide receiver. I have DeAndre year. Swift and at thirty-two and Carry on Johnson at thirty-four. So you might say. Chris, well, you have DeAndre Swift higher. I guess you think DeAndre Swift is going to be better. But no, I think that Carrion Johnson <laughs> is going to be better. I think that Carrion Johnson... You're trusting your rankings. Well, no, no, you do trust my rankings, but I think that Carrion Johnson is going to be better, most likely, because he's going to be more consistent, and I think he's going to play. But the reason I have DeAndre Swift higher is because I think he has more upside. So if he does end up doing really well, DeAndre Swift could totally shoot up, and that could be really good for his rankings. So... I think that Karen Johnson is going to do better, but there's just so much more upside with DeAndre Swift that I put him a little bit higher. I just don't love the upside. I mean, Johnson's talented. I have Johnson but at 35. You, Calvin, you forget DeAndre Swift going into the draft. He was the one receiver running back everyone is, was excited about, right? No. Imagine if DeAndre Nobody Swift, was excited yes. about him. He was just he like was, a, everyone thought he was the number one receiver in the draft. I mean, running, running back. back. No, it was more like Jonathan Tate. Not everyone. No, no, no. Taylor. Calvin, pretty much everyone. He was the he was the consensus number one running back in that in that draft. Not really. No, because Calvin, more, and you said it yourself. You said DeAndre Swift was the number one guy. I know you said that. He was the number one guy going into the NFL draft. Well, I think he's just all around so decent. If, if no, DeAndre Swift was, was on the if DeAndre Swift was on the Kansas City Chiefs, would we be saying something different about him? Yes, but I mean he's not. He wouldn't be quite as good as Clyde Edwards-Helaire because no, he, he doesn't. No, he would be better than Clyde Edwards-Helaire. No, Edwards-Helaire has the better pass catching ability. I feel like DeAndre Swift is well, the more talented. The point back. is that the Johnson's talented, and there's going to be no carries to go around. And I feel like Swift doesn't have that upside because he's just good at everything, but not great at anything in particular. So okay. Johnson, I have at 35. Swift, I have at 36. Yeah, so we're around the same. I just think that Swift has a little bit more upside than Calvin does. All right. So let's go to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wait, wait, what about, did we talk about TJ Hawkinson? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you want to talk about him? I just said he's just, I don't think the targets are going to be there. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of agree with you. I just don't, a lot of people have him as their sleeper, but especially if uh, Matthew Stafford gets injury, injured, that really hurts him. I guess I could say he does have some upside. I have him at 17, so I don't really love him that much. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, wait, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'll check where I have him, but I think I have him around the same I think spot. I have him at like 18, maybe. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, I have him at 17 also. Okay. 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Tight end rankings, the same. So we'll go to the Green Bay Packers. And, um, they think we can discuss, we should discuss Aaron Rodgers in depth. Uh, we can, we don't need to talk about tight end, uh, I don't think because, um, Oh, actually, no, we do. There is. They do have a fantasy relevant tight end. At wide receiver, it's only really Devontae Adams. So do you want to start there, Chris? At wide receiver for the pack, or actually, let's go in order. Yeah, um, I will start with Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers obviously is a very talented quarterback. I mean, in his prime, he was insanely talented. But now I just feel like he's not even that great of a quarterback. It's really name recognition that keeps him, you know, like some of the top quarterbacks. Because I just don't think I think he's on the decline. 
right now, and he's getting towards the end of his career. The Packers showed that they don't trust him by drafting Jordan Love, you know? So uh, I just don't love Aaron Rodgers next year. It's all name recognition, and for that reason, he's going way too high than he should be going. So there's no use in trying to get him because he's going to be gone too early. That's just that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I have him at QB 14. I, I won't say he's not talented. It's just that the weapons aren't really there for him. So that he can't I, really I, I will him. say that he's not that talented. I'm going to stand by that. Whoa. He's just – he's Aaron Rodgers is coming to your house. I mean, I like I, – I actually – I like the weapons more than you do. That's the funny part. So I have him at 11 because I like the weapons. But uh, – and I like <laughs> the offense. I think that he benefits from Matt LaFleur's offense. But uh, I, I don't think he benefits from the offense. He gets actually, hurt so much by, because he doesn't have any weapons. He does have weapons. He has Devontae Adams, who's a and good, that's about good, it. really strong wide receiver, like third best wide receiver in the league, maybe. And who else? For fantasy. Uh, then there's then he has uh, Alan Lazard, who I kind of like. And then he has Aaron Jones, who's a great pass-catching running back. So he yeah, has okay. some weapons. It's just not uh, – It's not. he has good weapons. They're just not deep. That's the problem. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he just doesn't really have anyone. If, if Devontae Adams is going to get injured, then he's in trouble. I mean, this team really has not been helping him, though, as much as they should be. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. Aaron Jones is another interesting case because I think he'll have some touchdown regression, but not as much, though, as people think. Like, he, the Packers will continue running the ball. He'll continue getting those touchdowns. And Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon will sneak some touches from him, even though Jones is by far the better running back. But mm-hmm. Jones is just so efficient that he might make up for it. He's my RB6, and uh, he'll lead the running back tier. I think Jamal Williams is a late-round guy. Or, yeah, or I just kind of like Jamal Williams as a kind of a filler guy because he has a bit of a, a bit of pass catching potential. I just feel like he's so he is so inefficient though. Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah, and, he's so inefficient in the run game, but in the pass game, he was actually pretty good. I have him at fifty three just because he's probably going to get some touches. That remember he Jamal Williams? Didn't he have that one like huge game that when Aaron Jones was out? I don't remember, remember that. But, Last year uh, he had this one huge game, and then people were like picking him up off the waiver wire, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to start Jamal Williams," and then he like towards ACL. Uh, three point six yards per carry last year. Or no, in yeah. tw- that was in. Tw- oh no, never mind. Sorry about that, Jamal. Wait. Oh, four point three. Oh, not bad. Yeah, I, I, I thought I didn't really remember hearing that. I, I think that I, I'd heard it before he came in. Like that he was too inconsistent. He had three point six in his rookie season. Then he had three point eight. I guess he wasn't as bad last year as I thought. He had one hundred seven rushes. Um which is too many. I mean, he's Aaron Jones is still better. I, I can look yeah. up Aaron Jones. Well, that yards. was just when Aaron Jones was out, probably. Yeah, I can look up Aaron Jones's yards per carry, and it's going to be better than four point three. Um, yeah, I guess he had sixteen rushing touchdowns actually last year, not fifteen. And uh, he also had yards per carry was four point six. And yeah. that's yeah. very good. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I think I, think he, I, I actually don't better. mind any like all of the Packers running backs. I mean, I, I don't really AJ Dillon is. Barely not draftable. Like he's like sixty-two, maybe for me. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, he's I, like, I, I like. I kind of like. I don't mind Jim Hall Williams. Like if someone wants to pick him up as a late round flyer, I'm I'm good with that. You know. Yeah, and just Aaron, of his high because form. he did do good. He did, yeah, and he did do well when Aaron Jones was out. So he's kind of a bit of a handcuff, maybe if you have Aaron Jones. You know. Yeah, and AJ Dillon, we don't really know about him. I don't think he's going to be an, much of an impact player in his rookie year. So mm-hmm. I guess for wide receiver, we talked about really? Devonte Adams, Chris. I have him as my number three receiver, and I think you do too. He goes behind DeAndre Hopkins just because of his injury risk and Michael Thomas for obvious reasons. Yeah, mm, definitely agree with you on that. Uh, the, how about Alan Lazard? End. Oh, 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 right, right. We should, we should. Or actually, do you want to save that for our big question? We can talk about Lazard. Oh yeah, sure. I, I didn't even look at what the question was. All right, but we can go to tight oh, end, yeah. which is <laughs> Jay Sternberger. 
I mean, he's going to get some targets just because he's the starting tight end, and he'll he'll be number twenty three. <laughs> yeah, I I think I. Oh, uh, let me check, but I think I bumped him out of my rankings. Yeah. All right. So. Now we'll talk about the big question. Yeah, I have him out. It'll be, what will the wide receiver situation be like behind Devontae Adams? And Chris, I'll let you lead the way because you have a strong opinion on this. I absolutely love Alan Lazard. He's a very high upside guy. He can be a really strong wide receiver too under Aaron Rodgers. And any wide receiver too under Aaron Rodgers in that Packers offense, especially when there's not really a trusted wide receiver three. Like Marcus Valdez scantling is the wide receiver three. And I do not trust him. Oh, man. He struggled with injuries. Every deep. He's, he's a deep threat. Injuries. Just that's it. Yeah, and so I think that if Alan Lazard really does what Aaron Rodgers thinks he can do, I think that he can be the wide receiver too there. And then when Devontae, if Devontae Adams goes out for some reason, which he struggled with turf toe last year, that could be a leeway for Alan Lazard to get some targets. There's just a lot of things that could happen that could benefit Alan Lazard, and he barely makes the top 60 because of that for me. Yeah, I mean, he's a late-round flyer for me. So, yeah. He's like, he's like last pick in the draft. That's the kind of guy I'm looking for. I literally have him at number 60. Yeah, I mean, he's really just like no more than a late-round flyer, and there's nobody else in that wide receiver core who should be drafted. So let's go to the Vikings. And uh, you, you want to discuss their quarterback first? Because you, you love Kirk Cousins next year, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten off Kirk Cousins a little bit, like, as things have gone on. I still have him at number uh, 15, I think, so – yeah, okay. I still really like him. I think that he's another guy that consistency is really nice here. So if you're getting a high upside guy, like, I don't know, like, who's a high upside, but, oh, maybe Deshaun Watson. Like, Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins. I think I Deshaun Watson has a high floor, though. Maybe. Uh, I actually don't because he. Carson Wentz. I don't know how he's going to play without DeAndre Hopkins. How about Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins? Mm. Maybe Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins. Maybe yeah, it's hard to find these duos. <laughs> yeah, now we're all in the duos of, uh, for like backup quarterbacks. But uh, I think that Kirk Cousins is just a nice, consistent guy that if you if your starting quarterback has a bad matchup or he's injured or something, you can plug Kirk Cousins and then he'll be able to put up some solid fantasy points from you. And I think that he'll be fine without Stephon Diggs. He got Justin Jefferson, which is a nice new weapon for him. Lost Stephon Diggs, obviously. I think that Adam Thielen is in for a bit of a rebound year. I think that he actually struggled with injuries last year, right? Wasn't he injured? Thielen did. I mean, Cousins, I have at 17, so I basically. It kind of seemed like now. like watching Thielen from the season before where he did so well, he just seemed like kind of banged up. He just seemed a little bit slow, not on like, just he didn't seem like himself. So I think that hopefully he's he'll be fully recovered if he had any kind of injury thing going on last year. Yeah, so you ready to go to – I guess we can go to running back. This is one of the more interesting running back groups mm-hmm. there is because Dalvin Cook is my number five running back. I have him at number five overall. But this is because you have to draft Alexander Madison if you get Cook. Dalvin Cook's backup, Alexander Madison, very talented player, and Cook has so much injury risk. If you can get Madison, I mean, it's worth it to draft Madison around early maybe so that you can just secure Cook. Yeah. And then that way, Cook can be your number five RB, and he has upside to be top three. So – yeah, Dalvin Cook is just an interesting pick. My number five overall guy, so maybe I have him a little about around where most people have him. And uh, yeah. just make sure to secure him with Madison. There's no doubt that he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And then Madison is like the top handcuff. Well, for backup running backs, you've got to go Kareem Hunt first. Then um, there's some guys in a timeshare, but like Kareem Hunt just catches so many passes that he's so good. But like for pure backups who don't really play much, um, other than in, like, garbage time, Alexander Madison has got to be the top, like, at number 42. 
right running back for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's definitely so, the top uh, pick just because uh, Dalvin Cook has so much injury risk and he's shown that when Cook is out, he's been good. So Yeah, so let's go to wide receiver and then we can talk about tight end in our big question because that is our big question. So our wide receiver, the wide receiver group, there's only two guys who are relevant, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And I'm not excited for Thielen next year. I mean, I know he was really good before. I think he could be decent. But I have him at wide receiver 20, mainly because of the injury risk yeah, I, I'm, I'm, of that run-heavy offense in Minnesota. Yeah, I really like Thielen next year. I think that he's going to have a really nice pre-run year. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, loves to throw to him. And now uh, Stephon Diggs is taken away. And I think that Adam Thielen can do good. I think that Justin Jefferson will push him out of, the, out of his slot role. And as an outside receiver, I think that Adam Thielen has much more potential because he's going to be able to catch some deep balls too. And now no more Stephon Diggs. That's going to be- benefit him, in my opinion. And so I really like Adam Thielen. I think that he's in line for a season more similar to the one that he had two years ago where he was insanely good. Yeah, I mean, I th- he'll definitely bounce back from last year, I would say. He got a little lucky with the touchdowns, too. I think Justin Jefferson, though, their wide receiver, too, might go into a Stephon Diggs role because he's a rookie and there's well, some concerns. I have him at wide receiver Justin 40. Jefferson is a slot receiver. He's never been a deep receiver. He's the guy that runs the crossing route over the middle. He's never a a deep receiver. So yeah, I mean, he will compete with Adam Thielen for slot that. targets, but he's the type of player who I feel like can transition to the outside. So I think he was my top rookie wide receiver, but it's close at number 40. Yeah, okay. That's pretty fair. I think I have him around the same area. Yeah, I bumped down my rookie wide receivers because I realized there were guys I liked better. So, um, yeah, that's why. So how about let's go to our big question before we wrap this up. And uh, it looks like where do you have uh, – oh, where do you – I'm looking for where you have Justin Jefferson in your rankings. I think it's like 37 or 38, maybe. Yeah, I literally can't find him. I'm trying to see if you accidentally took him out. No, I didn't. Did I do that? I don't know. Uh, maybe. 39. Did. 39. Uh, 39. Okay, solid. So, um, um, all right. Yeah, so sounds good. So let's go to our big question, Chris. Who do you think will perform better in fantasy in this season, like out of those tight ends over there? Irv Smith Jr. or Kyle Rudolph? It's got to be Kyle Rudolph just because he has more red zone potential, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, it's got to be Kyle Rudolph for me. In future years, Irv Smith might take over the role because I do like his talent. However, I just think that Kyle Rudolph is, he's a, um, he's got the higher floor. He'll take more of the targets in the beginning of the season. And so he will sneak out a better fantasy finish next year. Yeah, definitely agree. All righty. So that is about it. For the show, we've got a lot of things to read today, more than usual for the uh, credits, as Chris calls them. I don't know if they're really <laughs> credits, but like whatever you want to. It's kind of like the end of the movie, you know. Yeah. The, 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 credits the credits roll. If you have questions about fantasy football, Kevin, right. ready? Roll the credits. Go. All right. So, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow our podcast on Twitter for updates. We've been updating people about how our podcast is coming out late. We apologize for that. You can go to. Uh, oh, you can follow us on Twitter at SGF Pod. Um, follow our personal accounts on Twitter, or not personal, I said that again, uh, separate accounts on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF and Chris underscore SGF. We'll talk some fantasy on there for you guys. Um, if you want have questions about fantasy football, email us at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Your questions could be on the show. In fact, if we get finally get a question, we might just read it even if it's not a listener mailbag episode. So mm-hmm. there's a chance for that. So make sure to submit questions to the show, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, if you want to f- see our live show, 
about sports, you can go to sportscastr.com slash SG Sports Talk or download the Sportscaster app the way I spelled it. You can also follow us on Twitter at SG Sports Talk for our live show. Um, so make sure to do that. Again, sportscastr.com slash SG Sports Talk or download the Sportscaster app and follow us at SG Sports Talk. You can see our articles on TechMohole, which is a website, article writing site. You can go to T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E dot com slash author slash Calvin K or T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E dot com slash author slash Christopher. If you have questions for our live show, you can email us at talk at gmail.com. That's talk at gmail.com. If you want to find our rankings and articles for fantasy football, go to sites.google.com slash view slash fantasy. That's sites.google.com slash view slash fantasy. You will not regret it. Will you, Chris, like the first time you went to our website, did you regret it? No, definitely not. It was the most important thing I've ever done in my entire life. Exactly. So maybe it'll be the most important thing you've ever done. Thanks yeah, for maybe listening, you'll, guys. Maybe you'll, win the, maybe you'll win your like high money fantasy league. Then it could yeah, maybe you'll life. win your million dollar fantasy league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.